0: Welcome to Real Talk Intervention, episode number 24, Why Do You Stay? So, Stephanie, it's getting to be around uh, January and February, which I I think it's, I, I don't know, in my opinion, it's basically common knowledge that January and February are The toughest month for I mean for educators maybe for others I I don't know what do you think I hate January and February I
1: I know that you're not on Facebook as much as I am but I recently saw a reason apparently why it's so hard and I, I I I don't know how we combat as educators this trend of like crazy information but this is the latest conspiracy theory and I love this are you ready okay so there is a national oh my gosh i forgot the number like 427 policy that during these months schools are measured to see how bad their kids are and the teachers and the administration are encouraged okay to mm-hmm. to egg on the kids and really rile them up and what? be horrible to them so what? that they can have bad behavior because schools that get have have really bad behavior get extra money from the federal government. I try to tell this of... person this is empirically not true that <laughs> nothing and no one is doing this. Promise, but no, no, yeah. I, what do I know? Uh... I've just been doing this my whole. So that's my theory as to why January and February are terrible. It's because this national, federal 427... I'm actually secretly secretly
0: being encouraged to make it terrible. That actually makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, uh, I think.
1: It's not secretive either. It's completely, we all know this. We're just not telling
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know why you're letting it out now. This podcast can get out <laughs> to the general public. So I don't know why you just, we're going to have to cut this in production. No, really we no, this I out. say
1: the truth needs to come out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're if you're dealing with the February doldrums, just let it be known that you're not alone. And, you know, Stephanie, I think here in education, it's. I don't think we can put a podcast out here in February without talking about what has happened in Florida. Of course, we've had yet another of our our partners in war have been attacked yet again in the place where they live and the place where they they work and i i think that these school shooting tragedies are so difficult and painful for all of us because it's one of those moments where it's 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 everyone it's all of us we can't pretend like it couldn't have impacted us a lot of times you know we have the tendency to compartmentalize and explain things and say well that's here's all the ways in which this could never happen to me and when it comes to school violence, we all went to school, we're all there, we're teachers now, and we know the sacrifices that we have gone through to to be at school every single day, and the idea that our students would reward our, our love and our sacrifice with violence is so difficult for us to swallow.
1: I think that at some point we have to kind of acknowledge that it's going to happen somewhere close to us um something like this is going to impact us.
0: I do think there is probably and I think this is kind of maybe where a lot of people's fear is probably for every you know shot that's fired there were so many that were prevented and we we put up a piece on uh, on the blog about kind of like the aftermath of that and how we as teachers kind of come back to our campus and wonder how can we stop this how can we help this because we're teachers and we want to teach people and we want to improve the world like that's basically why we're here and we want to know what we can do as a community as teachers to help students and i think our schools put a lot of emphasis on trying to help students whether that be through you know like our counseling programs our mental health programs our culture of connectedness that i know we we know we need as a school so I think one of the things that's scary about this is how many more times could it happen if we're not taking more preventative action?
1: We talk a lot about what we're going to do as a society. How can we fix this uh, issue? And there's, you know, we got to get rid of guns altogether. We got to put more guns in the schools. And everybody's just kind of screaming about what we have to do, you know, a national level. And I don't know what to do about the big stuff. I have no idea, but I I do know this. I know that social isolation is absolutely devastating for a kid and for an adult. And one of the things that all of these shooters have in common is a disconnect, a loneliness, a feeling like they're not a part of the group. And what, I mean, what are we? We're social tribal animals. And when you're excluded from the group, there's nothing you can do to make people notice you you're going to do the most extreme thing you can possibly do it's a it's an act of desperation in a way and there's nothing there's nothing the government can do to stop this but we can in our schools we can tell our kids to find connections and to find that kid that's over in the corner and try to connect with him or if 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 you've tried and nothing's working then talk to somebody an adult so that we know Support your schools having more intervention possibilities available for kids because I know that what we do works, but it's severely underfunded and there's no way that we are getting to all of the kids that we need to support. But that's what it's got to be. It's got to be a one-on-one, every person in on the same idea, opening society to more people, not closing it off
0: you know, it's hard to find what you want to say about this, but we talk a lot about academic intervention and that's a huge part of what we do. But I think you and I have talked kind of around or we have talked about, but not specifically, about the importance of the effective emotional intervention that you and I do. I mean, I'm very data-driven. I'm very science and I, I know I'm on record on this podcast as saying I don't really like to make, like, personal relationships with my students and, and I don't like to do that, but that doesn't mean that I don't care about my students and that I don't communicate that I care about my students and that they don't feel that I care about them. I am their biggest cheerleaders and their biggest champions. And that is such a huge part of what intervention is. And and that's a huge part of what academic intervention is. It's not just a matter of like intervening with them emotionally so that they don't shoot us all up. It's, It's actually how you get them to be better at their academics and how you bring their grades up and how you improve their test scores. Is through being that emotional support system for them, even if it's just they know you care. But I, I don't want to belabor the point. I don't. I know we're not we're not here to talk a lot about the about the school shooting in general because I I don't know I don't know what don't know to say. To I don't know what yeah, to say. Yeah, I mean, other than it, it it kind of I had a plan of what I wanted us to record an episode about when we finally got back to recording and. Stephanie, what I wanted us to talk about for this episode was it's teacher of the year time. And I've been reading all of the essays of all the teachers of the year nominees from our campus. And I've written essays, too. And I've talked to people. And I think the question that comes up all the time for teachers is like, why did you start teaching? And I don't know about you, Stephanie, but when I get that question, I feel that like beauty pageant moment, you know, it's like, why did you start teaching? All the lights are dimmed and like the spotlights are coming on me. And it's like
1: world peace.
0: Everybody's (laughs) getting their little (laughs) handkerchief ready to like cry at my emotional response. And I don't know about you, but I do not have a wonderful, beautiful story or reason as to why I became a teacher. I don't have that lovely tale. I mean, for me, why did I become a teacher? I was out of college. I didn't really know what to do. And I thought, hey, I can do this for a while while I figure out my life and I'll get summers (laughs) off. And that will be amazing. And that is why... I became a teacher, and nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) How about you? Do you have an inspirational story for me?
1: Well, I was a social worker, and then I moved to Texas out of Michigan, and I realized I probably needed to make more money, but had no idea what to do, so... After trying to find something for a while, I finally just said, Hey, I'll just get certified through this alt cert place and uh, I'll just do this for a little while until I can figure it out.
0: <laughs> so, you and I, let's recap. This is my safety school. You and I got into <laughs> teaching for the money and to work less. <laughs> Great what strategy! Have we, done? we are awesome.
1: But you know that's an interesting. <laughs> th- okay, so that's interesting that people on the outside—that's what they see, right? I mean, that's what we saw. Yeah,
0: for sure. We saw,
1: hey, this will be something that we could do. Kind of getting ready for the real work, you know, and the real all, world. The real world. All this extra yeah, money. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally saw it that way now. But that being said, now, both of us know that the reasons that we got into teaching, you know, <laughs> definitely not the reasons that we stay teaching. And and it was the last time that I was asked that question and I had to type it out, you know, like, why did you become a teacher? And, and I really said, you know, it's not interesting to ask me that. And I don't think it's interesting to ask any teacher that. Because I think we all have reasons that we got into this, whether they be really idealistic or really confused. But they are not mm-hmm. the reasons that we stay nope. in this profession.
1: Well, I'm definitely not staying for the money. It's not that for me either.
0: <laughs> Nor is it the time off.
1: All the time <laughs> but, off we get.
0: You know, I... I I want to know, Stephanie, what is the reason that you stay a teacher? And the question is is even more now than ever as we sit here in the wake of watching our colleagues and our students get gunned down, in the wake of realizing that part of being who we are and doing what we do is putting ourselves around mentally ill, mentally unstable people that we're here to fix and here with people that we're here to save.
1: And with no tools. They want to arm us with guns, but they won't give us counselors enough to be able to deal with the problems that we have. I, I, I can't even.
0: So why do you stay as a teacher, Stephanie?
1: For me, it's become almost like personal. Um, I live in this district. I, I, my son is in this district. I have put all of my eggs in this basket. I need this school district to stay as amazing as it is because I don't want to lose my property value. I want the people that are around me to be happy and well cared for and I want the people that I go into stores and see and the people who are driving on the road with me, I want them to be educated and and calm. And mentally stable, and all of these reasons. I mean, for me, it's about building a better community for me to live in. Now, maybe that's selfish, but I—I mean, I don't have any—I don't have any expectations that I'm going to affect change on a big scale. I just want to fix this small little corner, this little teeny tiny pinprick on the map that I live in, so that it's not terrible. That's it.
0: I think what it is for me, which is is interesting because I'm probably, you know, the most introverted to myself person ever, but I think for me with this job what I can't walk away from is the feeling of watching someone who has never been able to experience success ever before and see them get that. That is an emotional high for me and a mm. like a, it fills my bucket when i see that happen I, when i see a student who has never liked school school in their whole life because they've been struggling since they were in elementary school they just feel like they're losers when i see them start to realize that they can have success and they can learn science and they can even think that it's interesting that's just a that's a real big emotional high for me that i'm kind of addicted to i guess mm-hmm. I'm an, I'm addicted to the like, process of teaching and the way that that feels and the results that I get from it. And it's fairly immediate, you know, whereas I, I just feel like if I was in another position, maybe even, you know, like to step up in district leadership, even like a coordinator or something like that, or, or a principal, I wouldn't have that immediate positive reinforcement that I get from looking at students and working with students, and seeing the connections get made in their minds.
1: I know what you're talking about. I had a weird experience, um, I don't know, about a week and a half ago, where I was working with a kid. He had come in after school. He used to be my student, but he's not anymore. But he needed help on an essay, and so he came down to get some help. And he saw something on my desk, and it was something that he had seen in one of his teacher's lessons. Well, he doesn't know that I'm on the curriculum team and that I wrote a lot of the curriculum that he's using in his class. And so he starts talking to me about the speech, and how amazing it is and how it really speaks to what we're going through today and he just felt like he wanted to like rise up and i've never had a situation where somebody was telling me about a lesson that i wrote that i didn't also give them
0: Mm, yeah
1: and it was it was cool but i Mm -hmm. felt kind of like I don't know, like left out.
0: Yes. <laughs> I yes. felt
1: left out. Like, oh, I wanted to be there. I mean, I'm so glad that he was so connected to that idea, but I I miss that I missed I miss that, uh, for him and that was kind of sad for me.
0: Well, that connection that he has with his teacher because of going through that lesson is the connection he could have had with you, but now it doesn't.
1: Is that a little bit jealous? Am I a little bit jealous? Uh yeah.
0: I think, I think there's just something very, this, this, those the students, when people talk about like the students give a lot back, I mean, they just do in, in that sense of like the relationships and those connections that you make with them are, are valuable.
1: So let me ask you this then, like I feel like we are uniquely situated to have those kind of moments, whereas I feel like my, mm-hmm. I feel like my colleagues don't necessarily mm-hmm. get to have that because They've just got so many kids. How can they? And,
0: yeah. you know,
1: we always talk about those kids at the back of the room, but there's no way that a teacher can deal with 150 to 182. And some of my colleagues are working with 200 something yeah. students. How are you supposed yeah. to build that relationship with that many? Of course, you're only working with the ones that feedback with you, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree with you and I think that's one of the major things that drives teachers out of the profession out. is the yeah. fact that that is what feeds you and it's so hard to get that when you, just you have so many students and you're so overwhelmed and the kids are overwhelmed. I I had a teacher the other day in the workroom tell me you know and I I feel like I I do understand what he's saying and where he's coming from but it's just sad because it's not it's not to my philosophy but I get it. He said um you know you're going to go through your career And you're going to see hundreds of students, just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. And most of them are just not worth it. And you just don't worry about them. And you just, whatever, just let them go. They're in and out of your life and they don't matter. But there will be that one or that two that are, you're, you're going to make an impact on and that you're going to impact them and they're going to impact you. And I think that is a little more what it's like for the, for the classroom teacher who has 150, 200 kids. I mean, it kind of isn't possible for them to have personal relationships, personal connections to the level that we get because of the one-on-one small group that we do. They really can't get that. It's just, it really is impossible. So I think a lot of them do end up with just that idea of you know what i'm going to find the one or two that i do connect with that i can connect with and that's why i'm here that's what i'm doing and when you think about the number of teachers that a student has in their life you know hopefully they may not be getting connections with every single one of their teachers throughout their entire academic career but hopefully with enough of us everybody gets something there's enough of the pie for everyone hopefully and i think what i think what happens when there isn't is situations like florida
1: You've got kids, I mean, not only are they emotionally disconnected today, and we, we know this, we, we, we see it, it's when they fall back and they are also academically disconnected,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: any kid's going to struggle with what we're doing today. We've got kids taking eight classes. Think about college. How many, how many classes do you take mm-hmm. in college?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't remember. Five? I don't four, know. Four,
1: five, right? So that's a full load. We've got kids taking eight, four or five of those classes are AP classes. Yeah, it's a lot. Even for our high functioning kids. And then for our kids who are struggling academically, what are they going to do? What is their outlet? And for a lot of our kids, unfortunately, their outlets are self destructive or destructive to others.
0: I have a student that I met in her ninth grade class last year and she has continues to come to me in her sophomore year from time to time just for different, you know, help with math or help with science or whatever different things or sometimes just take a test with me because she needs small group testing. So she comes and goes in and out and I, I don't really pay much attention to her. We chat. I mean, I know who she's dating, but it's not like a thing with us. Nothing like that. Well, I hadn't seen her in a couple, a couple months, but she came back in and was telling me she was transferring out of the school because, you know, the bullying had gotten so out of control for her that she couldn't take, yeah, that she couldn't take it anymore. And she had actually tried to commit suicide and had ended up in the hospital.
1: And I had
0: no idea, no idea whatsoever. It was horrified. I mean, she's very sweet and everything. And on her last day, I helped her get all of her things together. So she basically, her last week at school, she lived with me. And I helped her get all of her grades worked out. And so she came like all day to my room every day. And on the last day, she said, thank you for helping me. And she's like, I just don't know what i would have done if i hadn't met you last year and i just was like
1: oh my god that was so
0: crazy to me and it 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 comes to my mind of like I wasn't doing anything other than helping her with her schoolwork. You know, I wasn't doing anything that I would consider to be like trying to emotionally connect or doing any of those counselor type things that I, in my mind, put to the back of my mind as being the things that like really high achieving good teachers who care about their kids do. I mean, I wasn't doing that. I was. Just, I see myself as a teacher, I'm a teacher of science. I'm here to help do that, do that. And I, I stay very focused on the academics, but there's just something about caring about the kid enough to like just be there when they come in and they want to sit there and work on their assignment with you after school just sit there and you just have no idea what impact you could be making on them wow that makes me think a lot about how I probably should be paying more attention to the students that come to me a lot I had never thought about that before yeah but that had never that had never entered my mind
1: as a teacher, even if you don't have a kid coming up to you and telling you that you are important at least once right. a week, you, right. you, you, have, you have impacted enough kids for them to do that, if they weren't kids and, and realized that they should probably be saying those nice things to right. you. But you've made an impact, even if you can't see the impact.
0: Even if it doesn't look like you think it should, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I feel like most of the teachers that I, I work with and respect, you know, are very empathic, and I see them getting very involved. And I think a lot of times because of the role that teachers do play, and like the way that the role that society wants us to play. I mean, from my perspective, a lot of times I feel like maybe I, I maybe I don't care about them enough, or maybe I don't care about them in the right way, or you know, that that sort of thing. But the thing is, is like the impact of your caring is it's invisible you know you don't see it and it is like being a parent you just have no idea what you're doing with your kid right now you are not going to see the results of that labor until they are like 25 if you 30. ever do see the labor results with kids yeah, that we work you know, with. I mean exactly. they go on
1: and we never know what happens to exactly. them exactly
0: and it's so easy to stay focused on the negative especially at a time like now we focus on the failure and i think teachers are like that too or at least i am i never take credit for my students successes ever if they do something i'm like well that's awesome and they did that and that's amazing if they are failing i'm going what am I doing wrong? How can I do this better? How can I, how can I build this up? Why do I, why am I so terrible as a teacher? Why can't I reach these kids? So it's, I think it's easy to, when you're in a growth mindset and you're in a continual improvement mindset, it just becomes very easy to stay focused on all the ways you could be doing better and not focus on the ways in which you are succeeding, particularly when, you know, your client base isn't exactly falling all over themselves to tell you how you are succeeding. But at the end of the day, that is why we stay we stay in this profession for those connections, for those relationships, for that feeling of connecting with another human being in this lonely, isolating world, you know, we stay for that. And so how can we set up cultures in our classroom or set up cultures in our school or set that up in our lives so that we get to experience that and get to feel that so that we remain in our profession?
1: This is the kind of job where you're expected to care A billion percent. You're Mm -hmm. expected to go spend all your time, spend all your money. Now you're expected to jump in front of bullets. Mm -hmm. We have to do everything at this point. I keep food in my classroom for kids because they're hungry. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So if we could, as a school, honor that more on on a personal level. Like, I loved what we did with the hundred reasons why it's better here. You know the little ones do the hundred day celebration. It's a big deal in elementary school now. They, make the, they get to the hundred day mark of the year. So what we did is we kind of took that and we asked students and teachers to share the reasons why it's better here at our school. And then we made like little kind of memes out of all of them. And it was beautiful. The kids were talking about the diversity of the people that they meet and the love and the connectedness. And then people were mentioning specific teachers or specific departments. And it's more of that. We already, we already see our negatives. We already see everything we're doing wrong. we got to figure out some way to, to feed the souls of the people who are feeding our children's souls.
0: Right now, you know, in, the, in this month, as we as we are continually kind of bombarded with the worst of the world, <laughs> like I'd like to stay focused on the why do you stay a teacher? Why do you stay in education? Why is it worth it? It's a little opportunity for reflection and Stephanie and I would love to hear what you have to say. We will uh, ask the question on Facebook or on Facebook, Real Talk Intervention. Please follow or like us there and you can interact with us. We really do appreciate every email and message that we get from our listeners. It it feeds our soul. That does feed my soul. This podcast feeds my soul, Stephanie.
1: It really does. Like <laughs> I, does. I feel like so many times we don't, as teachers, have a voice in the world and if we do have a voice... We don't necessarily do a lot to kind of support the people who are trying to have those voices, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so any anything you can do to uh, get yourself heard and then mm-hmm. help others be heard, I mm-hmm. think that's what's gonna help save a lot of kids and a lot of teachers in these in these really really dark horribly. Horribly depressing times
0: Yeah I agree And one of the great things About our culture now Is it's so easy To get your voice out there If you just want it to be The, the bar for entry Is very low Speaking of a low entry bar We're on Twitter Intervene number four real <laughs> Get your voice out there On Twitter and we will uh, <laughs> We Best will be back Best <laughs> line ever <laughs> All the episodes Were worth it for that <laughs> uh, We will be back In two weeks to uh, talk about the difference between teaching gifted and talented students and intervention with gifted and talented students versus uh, your at-risk students. Similarities, differences, what we can learn from them all, and uh, intervening across the board.
1: And speaking of Teachers of the Year, we do have last year's Teacher of the Year for us, who's going to be joining us in that conversation. All three of us have been working on both ends of the spectrum this year, so It's going to be an interesting podcast.
0: Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about it. It's fun when we have guests on. So yes, join in next time. And uh, thanks for listening.